Thank you, everybody, for joining us on the Puget Systems Podcast. My name is Matt Bach, and today I'm joined here by uh, Dave Helmley, and we're going to be talking about a lot of uh, a lot of Adobe stuff. So if you're an Adobe user, this is going to be a great topic. We're going to get kind of into the, the nerdy details. We're going to talk about you know how Adobe kind of approaches new technologies and how they adapt to you know changing things in both the hardware and software fields, things like GPU acceleration, AI, machine learning, multi-threading, and yeah, again, getting really nerdy on it. So uh, Dave, thank you very much for joining us today. Yeah, thanks, Matt. Looking forward to the conversation. Yeah, so uh, before we really get into the, uh, again, the really nerdy stuff, uh, why don't you give a brief introduction about yourself, uh, a little bit of background so everyone kind of knows, for those that don't know you, uh, a little bit of uh, understanding of who you are. Sure. So um, my current title is uh, Head of Strategic Development for Professional Video, uh, looking after the broadcast uh, segment. So we've got a team of about 15 of us uh, worldwide doing uh, various things, but essentially all consultants um, and strategic development um, managers that look after the professional video market and the workflows that surround them. So probably the best way to put it is is consultants to, to companies and to a lot of partners like, your, like yourselves. And what we'll do, and I think Pugent's a, a great example, is what, you know, we'll listen to, you know, sort of what your findings are, introduce you guys to engineering, get this conversation to, to happen back and forth and, and really deliver um, a pretty powerful solution to the customer. Um, as we know, technology is always changing. And, you know, Intel's always got something new. AMD's always got something new. There's um, something around the corner all the time. And chances are you might get your hands on it uh, before we do, or we just don't have enough cycles to do that. So, again, our, our team um, will introduce a lot of this technology back to engineering and say, hey, this is something uh, we should be keeping our eyes on. So that, that, that probably sums it up uh, as best I can. I've been at Adobe almost 25 years. Uh, working uh, primarily in video, um, did a lot of imaging, worked for a, um, a hardware company before Adobe for about five years. So I've been doing this for almost 30 years, I guess, um, dealing with uh, Premiere Pro specifically, or Premiere, I guess, back in the old days. And uh, so I'm pretty up on uh, hardware and graphics cards coming from the hardware side of it before joining Adobe. Hmm. Yeah, so this is going to be a great but a little bundle of topics here. And I'd love to start it off with uh, GPU acceleration. I mean, you mentioned GPUs just a second ago. And I think yeah. there's a lot of, uh, oh, I don't want to say misunderstanding, but a lot of people who are editors uh, or people that are using Premiere, I mean, their job is to be an editor. Um, a lot of them right. are not huge on the technology side. Uh, I always think it's really important, though, for people to have at least a, a basic understanding. It, it's honestly like me with cars. I don't do my own service on my cars, but I like to know, you know, kind of kind of how things work, just because then you kind of understand when you need to do maintenance, when you need to take it in, when it's okay. Um, so even for the people that are not huge tech nerds like me and you, yeah. I, I think it's good to have that basic underlying understanding. So do you mind giving just a quick, like, like what even is GPU acceleration in your own words? Yeah, so the the graphics processing unit, of course, is your graphics card. And the things you want to pay attention to there are how many compute cores are on the card. What are you paying for? And in some cases, like After Effects, um, it's really important to understand how much video RAM or what we call VRAM you actually have on the card, which could allow you to play things longer and faster and um, in real time. So, um, you know, that that's, you know, that's GPU at its at its basic. But if you start to dig in a bit more on, on why it's important, we have to understand that 
there are things called GPU effects, which we're all pretty familiar with. And the GPU effects actually use a different uh, set of math um, rules, if you will. So if we have a color effect written for NVIDIA's CUDA versus, uh, you, know, AM, um, you know, AMD's, um, you know, OpenCL and other technologies, or just CPU, what we call software rendering, we actually make three different versions of each plugin that supports those. So, so you know, if, if I have CUDA running um, for a Gaussian blur, make it simple, and, and I have a, you know, a software, uh, a sequence using software, that's two different um, uh, rendering paths that that has to go through. So for the software one, obviously, you'll see the CPU spike. And for the GPU, you'll see the GPU spike. This is one of these things I think you were alluding to, which is, you know, when I have a timeline and, and I've just bought this really nice, maybe I've got an NVIDIA, uh, you know, Titan RTX. I was like, this is going to be the, the best card. And I put this thing in there and I want to watch those cores just, you know, and those, those bars just go up to 80, 100%. And sometimes you're like, wow, they're not even hitting at 5%. Chances are it's because you haven't told, um, you know, uh, the GPU to, to be used. So on the timeline, you haven't applied those, those GPU or what we call metal effects. And the more metal effects you stack uh, on top of that, the more you'll see um, those bars rise. And for what I tell people is, I think you put it great, which is we just need to keep it simple. I just need to get from A to B in as fast and as efficient, efficiently as possible. So at all times, we try to do parallel processing, which means we try to, to give the CPU a fair workload while balancing out um, the GPU. And in some cases, if you don't have you know, uh, any CPU heavy effects, or let's not forget codecs, some codecs that you might use. So this could be, you know, QuickTime or XDCAM or, or RED or, or even, um, you know, um, any of the new uh, B-RAW, you know, any, any of the new formats. Some use GPU, some don't. So all of these things have to be taken into consideration as we're rendering out each of those frames and it's dividing up that task between the GPU and the CPU. And again, you know, there's, there's, uh, you know, a memory play in there too, as we sort of send it to memory and back out of memory, but it's really just a balancing job that we try to do. And, and the best way to, to really just look at the result is just to say, okay, I've upgraded to this, you know, new version, open up an old timeline that you, that you remember how long it took to render it, and then just see um, how long it takes to render it now based on, on Premiere. So for example, we just came out with a new version of Premiere today, uh, version 14.1 just came out today. It's got some new performance uh, enhancements in there. And, uh, you know, you might just, just go ahead and do an export and, and be surprised. You know, we're always fine tuning, um, you know, both GPU and CPU uh, for performance all the time. Yeah, you know, that's actually something we deal with quite a bit. You know, we're workstation manufacturer, and we often have customers who, you know, they get their computer, and then, you know, every once in a while, it comes up that like, oh, well, the performance isn't as good as I thought. Like, it, it's only about the same as my old computer. And we dive into it, and it's because, oh, yeah, when I got a new computer, I also got a new camera. Oh, and I upgraded to 4K. Oh, and I bumped up the bit rate. And it's like, okay, well, that's not that's no longer an apples apples comparison now. That's and right. It, it's com You're doing completely different things. And once you actually convince them to find an old project, open it up and compare like apples to apples, man, the, the 
difference can be amazing. And like, I'm talking in terms of hardware, but that's absolutely true in terms of software as well. I think people have a hard time, you know, actually keeping track of things when you're only looking at a, oh, I'm just going to make up a number here, 10% performance gain uh, year over year. Like that doesn't seem like much. And it's hard to notice that, like, you know, when you're sitting in front of a computer for years and years. Well, let's not also forget that that people like to benchmark one software against another. And and, hey, I, I, I think that's fair. But you also have to look at it and really have a good eye for what's the how what's the quality of the output? You know, if we're just trying to render something to YouTube and we're not I mean, just to YouTube specifications and we're like, wow, this one could render this thing really fast. And this one took, you know, twice as long. And I'll definitely say there's there's been some areas where, where Premiere's uh, been lagging on H.264 uh, exports. And we'll talk about that in, in, in just a minute. Um, but you have to look at you know, the quality of the output. And we've always been about making sure the quality is absolutely the highest it could be. And I think, you know, we probably overestimated, if you will, um, the quality that, that, that people are expecting out of, out of some of these formats. I mean, we, we really do scrutinize over that. And I think a lot of these, these newer tools, just they just get it out for, for, you know, for YouTube. The color looks pretty good. You know the quality looks pretty good, and they and they just get it up. But if you render things like trees and leaves and and grass and things which show compression and artifacting, um, you know, when you run those tests, we actually stand up uh, probably one of the best. I mean, it is it is just an excellent um, way to compare the two. And I think you guys have done a really a really decent job with some of the tests that that you guys perform and selecting some of the media that you guys try to perform because not all media is created equal, cert- certainly on a render. It really depends on, on what you're doing. And one of the directions you'll see us go is to sort of give you some more options on um, good, better, best on, on, on how, how you want to render this out. Do you just want to render it fast and get it out as quickly as possible and take a look at the result? Or do you want to render it at its utmost high, highest quality? And of course, you know, probably better than most, a lot of the settings we have and any of the render queue or just the export is, um, uh, you know, can can also uh, make your render three to four times longer. And a lot of those things, like it's, it's so difficult for, especially people that are new to the craft, like, okay, I, I finally edited my video. Now, I don't know what bitrate is. I don't know what CBR is or, right. you know, all these different things. And the, so, yeah, I definitely agree. Like, I mean... I always just use the YouTube presets that are built into Premiere Pro, and I love it. It's great. It does, for me, perfectly adequate for what I am yeah, know, exactly. ever doing tutorials. And I think we've convinced engineering of that, too. You know, we, we basically said, you know, you guys are right. We want the best quality. This is fantastic. You know, this is the pipeline we should use. But in many cases, people just need to get it out the door because the device that they're going to be looking at isn't going to be capable um, like some of the monitors you have in the labs. Um, and and, and I, I, I think we've done a pretty decent job of that. We should talk about um, this new beta program um, we have. And I think you guys have been, have been a part of it. We call it Beta Prime. Have you had a chance to look at a lot of that recently? Yeah, a little bit. Um, what do you think? I mean, are you a, you a fan of Beta Prime and what it? Oh, absolutely. I'm I'm all for uh, beta programs and getting people involved as early as possible. Because, like you said, like engineers, 
they are absolutely amazing. I, I'm a huge fan of the Adobe engineers. They do an amazing job, but oftentimes you get a disconnect between uh, the people working on things and the people using it in the real world. And the more there's like beta programs where you can get that, those outside input, um, I think that's valuable for absolutely everybody. Yeah, well, let, let's fill the audience in on what Beta Prime is because it was really just for uh, for if you knew someone at Adobe. So if you knew Dave or any of the uh, any of the Daves, there's lots of Daves at Adobe. But you know, if you knew someone, you could you could get signed up, and it was sort of almost like a secret society, I guess. Uh, but so um, we've now opened that up. Um, just within the past few weeks. So a lot of the listeners can log into their Creative Cloud, look on the left-hand side of the Creative Cloud uh, pane, uh, window pane there, and just see a little beaker icon and then click on the beaker icon that says beta apps. And this is going to be your chance to, to test what's coming. So we, we've kind of taken a new, a new approach, which is you know, let's not keep everything um, a secret and then just unveil it and hope everything is, is good to go because, you know, it's getting fairly complex with all the codecs we have, all the connections. You know, we have to connect to the AJA cards and the Blackmagic cards and this camera and that control and all these other different things. So it's, it's a pretty uh, long, laborious uh, sweep process. And we have a lot of customers that just says, look, you know, I'm I'm an early adopter of this new camera. I, I would love to go ahead and, and test out, um, you know, a beta for this particular codec. Uh, you know, Canon is um, always coming out with, uh, with with different formats every couple of years. And, um, you know, it, 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 I have to be honest with you, it, it takes a while to get through a lot of that stuff. And if we throw that into a beta, and again, this new beta prime, you might get early access to that particular codec. Or it could be a new function in color, or it could be what we just released today, again, in Premiere uh, version 14.1, which is our new production panel. Um, we uh, actually battle tested that on uh, Terminator Dark Fate. And uh, the other one was, I think, uh, Eddie Murphy's uh, Dolomite uh, is my name and some other, um, you know, uh, sort of heavy workload Hollywood uh, workflows. And um, it did great. So we decided to go ahead and put this out on Beta Prime and let people uh, check it out. And again, if you haven't seen Production Panel, it allows multiple people to work on the same project uh, within the same network. So it doesn't have to battle out to the cloud and allows you to lock projects and manage these things really, really nicely. But it's a perfect example of uh, a beta prime. So it's not that we want to turn you into our, our guinea pigs. We like, you know what, if, if you'd like to sort of see what's coming, get ahead of the curve, test it, give us feedback. Um, you know, one, one example that's in um, beta prime today, we were just talking about GPUs, and that's new support for NVIDIA CUDA encode and amd uh encode so on the on the windows side we, we've done extra extra work uh to to support you know without having to have maybe an intel chip that supports quicksync uh, you still have that option as well but maybe you have a xeon and i know you guys have run into this before when customers are like hey my hd64 is so slow on this really expensive dual xeon system and you're trying to explain to them well it's really only available this quicksync and and some of the prosumer uh chipsets the core i7s and some core i9s uh, which were actually outperforming some of these larger 
um, dual desktops. And now you're going to have, um, you know, just blazingly fast speeds. I, you know, I've had a lot of customers telling it minimum. They're saying it looks like it's, it's two X faster and average on average four X faster for, uh, for some of these H two six, four H two six, five, uh, exports. So anyway, that's a perfect example. You can test that now, test it today. Um, if you're, um, you know, on a Mac or on another platform, um, you know, metal's actually doing a pretty good job on export now as well. So now we're kind of leveling the playing field and, and getting those high-end dual, dual systems, or maybe they had a Core i9 um, that wasn't a 9900K or some of the other ones that have since then had QuickSync. You can go ahead and, and, and uh, take full advantage of your NVIDIA card. So again, that's, that's beta prime. Yeah, and that feature is honestly been very amazing. Like um, by the time this podcast is actually gonna come out, we'll have an article up already about it. And yeah, we saw exactly what you were saying. Um, most of the time, the minimum was around two times yeah. faster. Um, and that's going to be on like really hard codecs. This was with like 4K Red, where like the system in, encoding it into H.264 is a smaller you know, portion of the pie at that point. It's, it's processing all of the stuff that's going on that's taking a lot of time. So it makes sense that it's not going to be, you know, crazy only two times faster uh and then yeah up to like four times faster and we didn't do any of our testing on like laptops and such and i think that's going to got to be somewhere where there's going to be a lot of uh performance gains to be had there's a lot of laptops now out there that have pretty good video cards on them yeah Uh, but the cpus are not going to be nearly as powerful on a laptop and by being able to offload that onto the gpu it's great and you know, I even did a little bit of looking and trying to find a, a quality loss because, you know, normally there is a quality loss with hardware accelerated uh, encoding, whether it's QuickSync or a video card or whatever. And honestly, I maybe there's a itty bitty tiny bit if you zoom all the way into like 400 percent and try to, you know, compare one pixel to another. But, man, it was really hard. Yeah, to I think that was part of the delay, Matt, as well, because, you know, working with NVIDIA and AMD on this, you know, that was one of the things, you know, trying to to ensure is that the that the the quality is is. And again, it's all math, right? That is absolutely the best the best that it could be. And you didn't see, you know, I kind of call it some of the floating floating jelly, you know, when you start seeing some of the compression to make to make that a minimum and, uh, and and figure that out. The the one thing that um, will be coming later will be the ability to, to scrub uh, faster, which is really a decode, right? So we've already done a ton of work in Premiere, uh, you know, 14 and um, 14.1, of course, and, and, and the stuff that comes next. So there's already a lot of decode improvements, but the team is going to continue to uh, to work on that. We just felt that if we had to pick one or the other, do you want to work faster, you know, scrubbing and doing things on the timeline, which again is, is pretty good today, it's going to get better. Or would you rather just have, you know, two to four and and, and, and better ex- exports? So we, we decided to concentrate on exports and and we'll, we'll we'll get to the other stuff uh, as soon as we can get it to you. Yeah, the decoding side is going to be huge, uh, if you ask me. Because man, so many people. I, I'm on a lot of uh, Reddit subreddits, you know, about editing and all this kind of stuff. And oh, it seems like every day there's dozens of posts about like, oh, my new high end system is not able to edit just the footage from my phone. Right. Well, that, that you bring up a good point. I had a I had a German broadcaster working with our team out there that had bought uh, you know several hundred of these uh, you know high end systems, and uh, they they were floored 
that their um, you know their basic laptop was outperforming it. Um, and, it, and that's when you had to have that QuickSync discussion because QuickSync, well, let's all admit it, it's fantastic technology from Intel. I mean, it is, you know, if it wasn't for QuickSync for all these years, I don't know where, where we would really be. I mean, it is just that good. But at the same time, it doesn't help us when we're in a system that doesn't have QuickSync just because it doesn't have onboard graphics and, you know, what they call a, you know, a, a, an Intel 630 uh, chipset in there. So now, now we've given them an answer. And, I, you know, we did uh, go back and tell a lot of these customers, you know, hang tight. You know, this, uh, you know, hardware acceleration based off your graphics card is coming. We're getting it to you as fast as we can. And I think it's going to be uh, just, just a welcome improvement. And it's going to be a nice surprise because, you know, no matter really, no matter how old that, that graphics card is, if it's running, a, um, you know, the current version of CUDA, it, it, it's going to be really, really fast or the, or the current AMD driver. Yeah, it's, it's going to be really fun to see people who currently are having to work through proxies or whatever on, you know, whatever system that they have to suddenly just, oh, I, I updated to a new version and now I don't need to do that anymore. And that, that's going to be a huge change for the workflow, a huge improvement. Yeah, it really is. And I think uh, just getting more uh, more use uh, of the of the GPU, you know, we uh, we also, by the way, in beta prime, just to close some of that out, we, we are introducing um, ProRes RAW. Uh, which is in beta, beta prime. So, um, you know, people want to get a chance to check that out. That is available uh, for Windows, as well, of course, as well as Mac. And uh, if, if that's part of your workflow, you know, ch check it out. Um, a lot of that, by the way, is CPU based, uh, j just by the way uh, ProRes works. Um, so it's uh, ProRes is not a GPU uh, codec. Uh, so just that's another example of, of, of balancing the workload between GPU and CPU. Yeah, and I think that's one thing that people don't quite always understand is that, yes, Adobe is making Premiere, but Adobe doesn't always, they can't change how a codec works. They can't right. decide, oh, we're going to make ProRes GPU accelerated. Like, no, no, you can't do that. That's that's done by ProRes. That, that's just what it is. Or it's done by RED, right? So RED has their, what's known as their SDK. That's a software development kit. And whenever they update RED firmware for maybe the new weapon or something like that, you know, we have to wait until we get, you know, that, that uh, you know, new SDK from RED to implement that um, in, inside Premiere. And that may allow your, you know, your 8K weapon footage playback uh, more smoothly or to get more pixels out to the graphics card. Because I think we all remember the days when you had to have a RED rocket card to really do acceleration. And then RED did some amazing work and got a lot of that working on the GPU. And then, uh, you know, it was only supported up to 4K, and then that number started to gradually um, increase. But, yeah, it, it, it's a great point. There's a lot of it that's just um, outside of our, our control. So I want to shift a little bit here. So we've talked a whole bunch about GPU, um, touched on some great stuff about the beta program. I want to talk about AI uh, and machine learning, because I know this is a big yeah. uh, push for uh, Adobe in the recent uh, years with the, the Adobe Sensei program. Uh, but I think a lot of people don't quite understand even what AI or machine learning is. Like they don't quite understand how much is yeah. already being utilized just because it's so transparent. Uh, so why don't you just dive into that a little bit? Yeah. So, so AI, obviously artificial intelligence um, at Adobe, you know, our, um, you know, our brain, if you will, is called Adobe Sensei. And it, it's collecting information um, from a lot of different sources. We have, you know, just an amazing Adobe stock collection with a lot of stock video, a lot of stock um, 
uh, photos and there's, there's even more stuff coming to stock. And so we can use a lot of that information to do analysis. And that's, by the way, stock gets submitted all the time. We have a lot of stock contributors. I myself, by the way, am an Adobe stock contributor. So you can go to contribute uh, on the stock side and, 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 and basically sell your, sell your photos and your videos. Um, but anyway, as that information comes in, we do a lot of analysis. And, and that allows us, when you look at Premiere, we introduced a new feature you might have had a chance to play with, Matt, uh, called Auto Reframe. Yeah, and this is solving a ton of problems. Um, you know, there's a there's a new platform called Quibi that's out there, which uh, I I think it's pretty awesome. I think it's going to do really well. That allows you to look at a landscape and then a portrait view of the same content, and it auto centers and does some things that it needs to do as the editor goes through and and makes basically two different uh, edits with the same audio track, being able to allow you to hold the phone any way you want to. Well. When you have a 16 by 9 video and you need to reframe that for 9 by 16, so we need to be able to look at where the action is. We call them salient regions. Where are things happening in that uh, 16 by 9 frame, that wide frame? Um, we need to be able to recognize people, cars, dogs, you know, just things that are in there and intelligently put together a story. And the story is going to be based on uh, scaling and position keyframes of being able to move this thing around the way that it needs to. So Adobe Sensei can look at a 16 by nine wide and say, okay, you're asking me to get this prepped for a nine by 16. This is kind of where the Quibi workflow for just one example might come into this where I need to reframe this thing so I can start to work on the edit. And sometimes we can get you 100% there, but let's face it, you know, you, you know you're using Adobe because you want to be creative and you want to be con uh, in control of your creative. So, you know, let's say we get you 80% there and we're just having you manipulate standard, um, you know, position and scale keyframes that you already know. So we, we're taking uh, a lot of the mundane task out of this, things that nobody really wants to do and just putting as much of it uh, in an automated process that we can to allowing you to go in there and, and noodle around with it. And that's probably the best uh, place for AI to be used. We don't want AI automatically just cutting our timeline the way that it thinks it needs to. But if it can get in there and do things that I don't want to do, separate objects, that's another thing that we showed at Adobe Mask and I, uh, Max, I would tell people to, uh, to go to, you know, YouTube and search for um, Project Fast Mask um, for, uh, from uh, the 2019 Adobe Max. And that uh, was, was pretty amazing. It allowed us to separate a person, um, you know, from the background, um, you know, directly in After Effects, almost like an auto uh, rotoscope, if you will, and in just seconds, because uh, we can separate uh, the background from the foreground, if it's a person saying walking or whatever, because we understand that that's a person, it's got arms and legs and things like that. So we can we can look at an object and understand what those properties are and, and what the motion is likely to be. And then just apply that. So rather than have someone have to auto track that when they're rotoscoping that, let's just do as much as we can and then get you back in there to do the type of cleanup that you need to do. And then, of course, there's um, 
other things like, uh, you know, you know, just looking into the future a bit, where else can we use this? I think we can all admit that, you know, transcription and things like that need to be automated because no one wants to have to have to do voice to, uh, to text. And that's just getting better and better all the time and getting smarter all the time. Um, and, and you'll kind of uh, see some direction heading, heading down, uh, down that path as well. Just, uh, you know, doing the jobs that nobody wants to do and automate this. And one last thing, Matt, on, on just AI in general is we um, should also point out that it doesn't always have to connect to the web. In many cases, we'll take that AI and we'll put it into a library, we call it, and, and, and build that into the application. And that gets updated, the smarts, if you will, the AI uh, engine gets updated every time you update Premiere, where you know, we could update that, that instance running locally. So auto reframe, for example, is one example that we build that smart library into uh, Premiere. And then, uh, so you don't have to sort of pop out to the web um, to, to run that service, so. Yeah, I think uh, it's important for people to uh, kind of understand a little bit of the background of, of AI in that it, things that like Premiere is using, like the auto reframe, it's actually not, I mean, it's it's a little bit hard on the system, but it's not as hard as you might imagine. And that's because things that are dealing with AI and machine learning, what's really, really hard to do is the training, um, you know, the, yeah. the AI learning, like kind of what things mean, uh, like what is an arm? What is a person? What is a car? That's really hard. Well, a cat hard. has fur, right? To your point, Matt, right? So yeah. uh, if I see a cat, there's certainly enough of those of them on the web, right? So we understand <laughs> the properties of a kitten. Yeah, but once you've done that training, then it's, it's actually not too bad. So you can have it local. You don't have to go out to Big Iron on you know Amazon servers and do right. all these number crunching. It's already been done. So it, it's not too bad. So things like uh, auto-transcribing, like you were talking about, hopefully... That won't be too bad. It'll just be a button in Premiere. You press in a few seconds or minutes later, it's done and you just have your subtitles. Yeah. And we've got great partners like, uh, you know, Digital Anarchy, you know, uh, you know, Gems come out with a beautiful interface for transcriptive is, is one. People need that that feature today. Uh, that's one that I, that I would look at. He's done a fantastic job. Uh, of, of using AI and it's pretty inexpensive. It's just a, a you know a few a few pennies a minute um, to be able to do that. So e even an hour video you can get uh, transcribed pretty quick. And I think we're not too far away. I have seen some higher end services do this, but we're not too far away of just saying, oh well, you, you're hearing this in English, but show me in Spanish. Right or any other language that you need to is this one world view, being able to do that, and then all you have to do is is obviously just proof, uh, proof the transcription. But that's only going to get better over time. So that I think this is just going to become part of the normal workflow. Yeah, that, that's going to be absolutely amazing. And like, like you said before, I just want to reiterate because it seems like a lot of people are afraid of, of AI or worried that it's going to, you know, take take their job and they're no longer going to have a job. Uh, but what you said before, I think it's really great, where AI really takes the things, the mundane, the the annoying things, because who really wants to rotoscope, you know, a bunch of things frame by frame? You want to be able to spend your time on the creative side, you know, being exactly. telling your story, exactly. not the, the getting down to the pixels and selecting, you know, individuals and doing all that stuff. You, you, yeah, I, I call it your creative assistant. Wouldn't everybody like to have that intern or that assistant? You know, just could you spend the next three days, you know, rotoscoping this thing out? 
Um, when of course it would it, it would take sensei just just all of the you know sixty seconds to do a do a pretty long one. And it is amazing, as you said, how fast this is and how little it actually takes uh, takes of the resource. I think you're also going to see AI. Uh, start taking, you know, a, a deeper look at rendering and different things that we want uh, to get out of that and having some smoothing options. I mean, I, I've seen a bunch of, uh, um, you know, articles and discussions coming out about just about rendering and how can we use AI um, for that. Um, so it, it, it's going to be just part of, of normal life. And remember, it's never the same intelligence uh, year after year because it's only getting smarter. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've seen a couple of really great things recently with like uh, super scaling. So you're starting off with 1080p footage, you want to scale it up to 4K. Uh, exactly. You utilize AI and it actually creates some of that data. I mean, normally you can't create data out of nothing, but it can actually you know infer what should it be in between. Uh, I've seen some like old film restoration, you know, old, old, old stuff. Black. Yeah, some of the old World War II stuff. I think we saw the colorization of some of that stuff was amazing. Yeah, and it's absolutely amazing. And, and, you know, before, like, yeah, you could do that if someone was going to go in by hand and do frame by frame, you know, in Photoshop or whatever, trying to restore. But, you know, AI can look at and see, like, okay, this is an old train. I have all of these pictures on the Internet of people who have taken pictures of old trains. I, I actually can figure out what it's supposed to be. And then it can just restore it and make it, you know, pretty much as accurate or more accurate than a person could ever do. We haven't even talked about removing objects from scenes or adding them back in, right? I mean, AI, you know, we've got that in After Effects for a couple of releases now. Um, you know, it's pretty amazing when you can, you know, have an overhead shot of, you know, someone on a bike, a drone shot with another person in a car is sort of one thing that we demo. And that person hanging out of the car is getting a close-up of the biker's face. Maybe it's a granola bar commercial or something like that. And I need to have sort of the sweat dripping off his face. And I'm hanging out with my red camera pointing at this guy while there's a drone shot. Well, you know, you'd have to reset that shot to redo the drone shot so you don't have the car, right, in the shot. So you can actually use you know, um, you know, our, our feature in After Effects just, just to remove that uh, content aware of fill, right? So that's been pretty amazing. And I always tell customers, you know, it's one Adobe. So if you look at a lot of things we're doing in Photoshop and some of the other apps, even on our 3D side, um, you know, it's one company. So being able to bring these technologies into the applications where they make sense, like content aware fill for After Effects, um, is it's been pretty amazing as we share technologies around Adobe, and just because I'm sure people are are wondering, you know, we we are taking a pretty good stance, and it, we have some information up on our um, website to, just about you know um, verification of, uh, of photos and videos and Adobe's stance uh, on that, right? Because that's going to be one of those topics that will, uh, you know, the deep fakes and things like that. So we, 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 you know, I'm proud to work for a company that has already come forward to say that, you know, you can expect Adobe to do the best they can in doing the right thing and letting people know, you know, where and how this content gets, gets to where it, uh, it needs to be in the, in the appropriate uh, manner and, and, and how, how real and authentic is the video. So there's a, uh, th- there's some information that we have uh, up on adobe.com um, about that yeah. and what we're doing about it. Yeah, because yeah, deep fakes are both amazing and terrifying at the same time. I mean, being yeah. able to see like being able to put in actors who, you know, maybe had passed away or things like that, like that can be absolutely amazing in movies. And then there's also the malicious side of you know, 
of course say things that they never said yeah. I've shared this with a lot of news editors. I work, you know, as I said, I, I do a lot on the broadcast side and I work with all the major news uh, networks out there. And uh, I've taught them all how to use, you know, content aware fill and some of these other things. And, and, you know, and for journalistic integrity, you know, they're not using too much of that. I mean, I will say there's instances where I think they might remove something if it's annoying and keeping you from the story. Mm-hmm. Again, I, I think that has to go through a vetting process um, within that organization. But at the same time, you know, don't necessarily trust what you see all the time. Question everything. Yeah. Because as we, you and I have just said for the last 10 minutes, it's only going to get smarter and better. I think deep fakes are not hard to spot now. We kind of know what we're looking for uh, on the rendering side, but that's it, only going to get harder to do. But uh, uh, but again, in production, it just saves us a ton of money. I don't have to reset shoots. I can remove things. I don't have to rent, you know, a building of, uh, you know, if I can just get you know, if I have the ability to shoot it, uh, I don't have to remove things from the property. I can just remove them with content where fill uh, directly with an after effects. So just, uh, just another example of uh, taking the mundane out. Yeah. Oh, and especially right now, um, I've had a lot of talks with people recently about like 360 video and VR and you absolutely need content to fill for a lot of that because like, well, you've got the camera, you've got the tripod, You've got things like that. It, yeah. It's really hard to get all of your crew out of a shot when the shot is in 360 degrees. You know, that, that's true. And it could be distracting in the story because yeah. I've spent a lot of time in VR myself and trying to guide the user through sounds and other things and shiny lights, you know, in VR to get them looking in the right direction to, to help tell the story or to share the content is always challenging. Yeah, that's yeah. a good point. Uh, so we've got a, just a couple of minutes uh, to remain here. So I kind of want to leave off with a very open-ended question that I did not prep you for, and I apologize. Sure. Uh, but if, so we've already talked about a lot of the good things that Adobe is doing, a lot of the really exciting things. Is there any other uh, thing that you are just excited to see Adobe really engaging in right now? Well, I mean, you know, just with, let's just face it, you know, we're all at home, you know, working for the past, uh, you know, weeks. I think I haven't traveled in uh, five weeks. I had to cancel pl- uh, eight plane tickets. Oh, yes. <laughs> so, this, you know, I, I'm excited on what we're doing for, um, I think, this new chapter. I think we can all agree. I mean, we could talk about, about COVID. I think we're getting a lot of COVID emails. We're almost getting COVID to death, if you will, uh, with, with everybody trying to market that. But, but I look at it as this is part of the you know, sort of new world order. What is your remote IT plan? And I'm sure Puget's getting these questions as well. Hey, help us. I spend a large part of my day working with these broadcasters. And you're seeing a lot of them, uh, you know, broadcasting out of their homes. We've been helping with a lot of that. Just, you know, w- w- what is the plan for whatever the situation is? You know, it, it could be, you know, between power outages or maybe, you know, could be real estate's cheaper if you do it this way or, or that way. And you figure out how do we move these things around. So editing in the cloud or editing with, uh, you know, any of these uh, desktop share type applications like, you know, HPZ Central and, uh, you know, splash top and jump top or um, jump desktop and, and, and TGX is another one. I mean, there's just tons of them out there as we're talking to customers about different remote solutions. So I, to me, that, that that's been an exciting uh, sort of chapter for us in the past couple of weeks. And, and, you know, along with that, we're taking NAB uh, virtual 
Um, and probably by the time this airs, we, we will have done it. So you'll probably see some of that on uh, on playback. But, you know, we're, we're doing our booth presentations, if you will, um, virtually and recording those. And, you know, Jason Levine, uh, one of our evangelists, will, and Carl Soleil, they'll be out there talking about, um, you know, all the new things that we'll be talking about at NAV and, and all those stories. And we have another program called Adobe Summit for our Adobe marketing side um, and marketing cloud, uh, uh, document cloud side, where there's just a ton of virtual trade show things happening. So to me, I think it's exciting to watch how fast the company was able to pivot uh, to keep the information coming. Mm. Yeah, I mean, that's exactly what we're dealing with right now. And that's why we're recording a whole bunch of podcasts is because, well, we were, go we're going to NAB and now we're not. <laughs> so yeah, right. it's really good to see that uh, how much content you, you guys are going to be putting out, really uh, getting a lot more people exposed uh, even to it than, you know, they might not have otherwise. And I mean, any any presentation with Jason Levine is always a, a, a good good time. So yeah, he's a good soul. Yeah. Uh, so we got just a minute here. Uh, I did want to say absolutely thank you for, for coming on here. I know your schedule has to be absolutely jam-packed uh, with everything that's going on and prepping for NAB. Um, I definitely do encourage everyone to pick, check out the uh, the beta apps on uh, Creative Cloud. We've been looking at them. It's been great you know, being able to give feedback early on in the process. Like When something is in beta is the time to give feedback on if there's an issue that you discover, because then it can still be fixed uh, before release. Um, is there anything else you would say uh, for people to check? Um, I would just like to thank uh, Pugent and your engineers for those benchmark tests that you do. They are live on my desktop. I show them all the time. Um, you know, whether they're a customer of, of yours or not, maybe they should be. But uh, they're certainly using your uh, your benchmarks, and that's pretty much on any platform. Uh, they're checking them out. I think you guys do go the extra mile. And um, I was excited to do the show with you guys. And just thank you for all you do for Adobe and helping us do our own research. Well, thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and with that, I think we're going to leave it on a very positive thank yous. And uh, thank you, everybody, for listening. And thank you very much, Dave, for coming on the show.